Mark chapter 8 and verse 14 to verse 21. Mark chapter 8 verse 14 to 21. And our title can be taken direct from verse 21. How is it that ye do not understand? How is it that ye do not understand? Failure to understand the word of the Lord can be due to various causes. At the most simple level, it can be that the words are just not within the vocabulary of the hearer and that he needs uh, to understand the meaning of particular words. But that was not the problem in this case what the Lord Jesus had said was take heed beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod there is no word in that verse that the disciples would not have been thoroughly aware of take heed beware leaven Pharisees Herod they knew these words but they did not understand them it was not a problem of vocabulary nor was it even a problem of poor mental powers that was not why they didn't understand it was due uh, to the workings of sin in the heart affecting the thought patterns of the mind Sin uh, has affected the way we think and it has affected it so much that by nature we do not even understand the word of God. Now this subject is a great deep. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And... Uh, the effects of sin upon our thinking are far greater than any of us actually appreciate. And uh, yet, it has to be said that our sinfulness does affect our understanding of the truth and that we therefore are dependent upon God both to understand as well as to love the truth of God. And our text reminds us of just how much we depend upon the Spirit of God to rightly grasp the truth and be kept from believing what is false. The man who thinks his intellectual powers are sufficient to keep him from sliding into great error of doctrine that man is a fool the man who thinks that his brain power is a guarantee that he will be kept sound in the truth of God and that he will never believe that which is false that man is a fool and let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall he is wise in his own conceits we are dependent creatures and dependent sinners 
not only at conversion but all along in our progress in understanding as well as obedience to the truth of God we forget that too easily we remember it perhaps when we're speaking to the ungodly concerning Christ perhaps we remember that only the spirit of God can cause a non-Christian to believe the truth as it is in Jesus and yet we forget it as far as progress in the truth of God is concerned and so Christians often wrangle about uh, biblical truth the sovereignty of God the government of the church prophecy and so on as if it were purely a matter of the, of the use of the intellect and we did not need the spirit of God we have never rightly received one ounce of biblical truth but by the enabling of the spirit of God and that is true of anything any subject in the word of God all right reception of truth is by the blessing and working of the spirit of truth but let us turn to these verses firstly useless religion is to be avoided useless religion is to be avoided verse 14 now the disciples had forgotten to take bread neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf and he charged them saying take heed beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod Mark alone of the gospel writers gives us this little detail that there's one loaf left but that doesn't come into the picture for the moment but it does help us to see the closeness of connection between this situation and the feeding of the 5,000 the feeding of the 4,000 limited resources, one loaf but uh, the disciples had forgotten to get a fresh supply of bread it wasn't the best place to get more bread but the Lord Jesus speaks of other things he isn't talking about the bread situation at all he's still continuing from this confrontation with the Pharisees that they just had where they were seeking a sign and he says beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod he is warning them against the dangers of false religion let us notice all kinds of false religion are to be avoided all kinds of false religion are to be avoided in Matthew's account we learn that we read that the Lord Jesus said uh, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees Matthew 16 verse 6 so taking the two accounts together the Lord Jesus warned them about the leaven of the Pharisees the Sadducees and Herod now the Pharisees were the great traditionalists they made a great show of Old Testament uh, of the Old Testament scriptures but they took the heart out of them and replaced this with their encrusted traditions of men they were self-righteous in their religion and they made much 
of the tradition of the fathers. The Sadducees were the skeptics of the day, the liberals. Most of the priesthood were Sadducees. The Sadducees, the priests, ran the temple at Jerusalem. They kept up the national centerpiece of outward religion. But they also took on board a great deal of Greek philosophy and uh, they had no proper regard for the Old Testament scriptures. Now Herod was one of the family of Herods who were of Idumean descent but professed Judaism, the Jewish religion, and who at different points and in different ways ruled uh, Israel on behalf of the Roman emperors. And the supporters of Herod were known as the Herodians. And of course there would have been some overlap between the Herodians and the Sadducees. The Herodians were secular in outlook with a, little, with a bit of Jewish religion added on. So they weren't too different from the, from the Sadducees. But the Pharisees despised the Sadducees and the Herodians. They regarded uh, the Herods as semi-heathen. They regarded the Herodians as compromisers and the Sadducees as liberals to be despised. But the Lord Jesus puts them all together. He says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and Herod. Even though they did not see themselves as in any way belonging to the same category, the Lord Jesus treats them as fundamentally the same. Why did he do this? Well, firstly, they all opposed him. They all opposed him. The Sadducean priests, the Pharisaic lawyers, the Herodian politicians, all opposed the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, in chapter 3 and verse 6, we read of the Herodians. We read there, And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. You see, in the end, they all opposed him. Not just Pilate, the open pagan, but Herod, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they all opposed and hated and condemned the Lord Jesus Christ. However, against each other, they, they were in certain respects, they were united in opposition to the Lord Jesus Christ and to his truth and to the living and true God. And all these groups professed the true religion but did not possess it. All of these groups professed the true religion but did not possess it. They all made a claim in some way to be the representatives of Old Testament religion. Some, their claim was scarcely credible at all. Uh, but others, like the Pharisees, 
made much of outward show of attachment to the Old Testament scriptures. But the Lord Jesus sees them as essentially the same. Because they did not have the love of the truth in them. And that is true today. The traditionalism of Roman Catholicism, the skepticism of liberal Protestantism, and the form of religion of those who have only a political interest in Protestantism, it's all useless. I'm not saying, of course, that our faith has no political application. Of course it does. The Word of God is to be brought to bear upon every part of life. But in this province, there are the Roman Catholic people who are seeking to save themselves by human tradition. But there are the liberal and nominal Protestants relying upon some kind of church connection or else disbelieving in the whole necessity of salvation from sin. Now, in the end, these people are all the same. They're opposed to our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus calls this leaven, leaven, or yeast. Some of you will know far better than I do that yeast, when it's put in, it affects the whole lump. That's why the Lord Jesus, talking of undisciplined and tolerated immorality in the Corinthian church, he says, Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? And in the Old Testament, in Exodus 12, 18 to 20, at the Passover, the Israelites were told to eat unleavened bread and to put leaven away from their dwellings because leaven was a symbol of corruption. Uh, it involved a process of, of uh, fermentation and it was therefore used as a symbol of corruption. And the Lord Jesus is saying, beware of the leaven, of the corrupting effects of the Pharisees and of Herod. We are to regard these forms of false religion as dangerous corruption liable to spread and affect all that they touch. And so the Lord Jesus says, take heed, beware. He's saying, look out, watch out, wake up. These things are not neutral, they affect you. We are to guard against the effects of false religion. Are you watchful of such things? Or do you consider yourself beyond the reach or influence of false religion. Do you say, well I'm strong, you say, I know what I believe, it can't affect me. Is that so? Well the Lord Jesus didn't say that to his disciples, he said, take heed, beware. If there was some dangerous infection going around this district, You'd all beware, because it might damage your health, the health of your bodies. 
and doesn't false religion threaten our souls? Professed disciples of Christ can often attend liberal churches where the truth is not loved, nor held, nor preached. And they say, it doesn't have any effect on me. How do they know? The Lord Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. Do not treat error and false religion as harmless and something that, whilst it doesn't do any good, it doesn't do any harm. The scriptures do not teach that. It is presumptuous of us to benignly indulge false religion. And whatever form your religion takes, and however much of the trappings of true religion it may have, like the Pharisees, if you have not the love of the truth in you, all is corruption and vanity. The nominal Protestant, who is not genuinely converted to Christ, may profess great opposition to Romanism, and of course that's right, but the fact is that the unconverted nominal Protestant is heading for the same condemnation as the most ardent Romanist. There is only heaven and hell and unsaved sinners whatever form their rejection of the truth has taken in this world will all go to one place which the Bible calls hell and only those who have been born of the Spirit and trusted the Saviour will go to heaven do you know the truth have you embraced the truth have you believed on that Saviour that Lord Jesus Christ of which the Holy Scriptures speak from beginning to end have you learned to rest and rely upon him the one who was crucified bearing the guilt of sin, have you learned to rely upon him to take your sins away? Secondly, preoccupation can prevent perception. Preoccupation can prevent perception. Verse 16, And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread, and when Jesus knew it, he said unto them, Why reason ye because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not yet, neither understand. Have ye your heart yet hardened? Preoccupation can prevent perception. They thought so much of material things that they assumed the Lord Jesus is the same. They reasoned among themselves saying it is because we have no bread. They assume they assume that because they are thinking about bread and the one loaf that's, that they're down to that he must be thinking about the same things. They would bring him down to their level. 
And so what they are thinking, he must be thinking. What they made of his comment, we do not know. Perhaps they thought he's telling us, well, we're, we're nearly out of bread, we'll have to get some, but don't get it from the Pharisees, don't get it from the supporters of heaven. Whatever they thought, they certainly thought he was thinking upon the same subject as themselves. What their minds were taken up with, they assume he must be referring to. That's how people handle scripture very often. What's in their minds? When they come to prophecy, what's in their mind? Oh, something's happening in the Middle East. And then they decide that that's what the text must be referring to. That's how it happens, you see. But he rebukes them. Not because practical needs did not deserve their attention but because they scarcely seemed able to think of anything else. And so they hear his spiritual teaching and they apply it to the latest material hitch. They bring his words down to their low level of thinking. And so the Lord Jesus speaks to them very bluntly. He says, why reason ye because ye have no bread perceive ye not yet neither understand have ye your heart yet hardened he says your heart is hardened he doesn't excuse them these were fishermen they were practical men they were used to using their hands and to using their physical strength and perhaps we might have thought well we can't expect these men uh, to think otherwise after all they're practical men they think of practical things and therefore they are to be excused but the Lord Jesus doesn't say that he doesn't say well I know you're practical men and you're used to working with your hands and therefore this stops alright uh, for theologians and academic types but I realize that you don't think the same way he doesn't say that at all fishermen are not he says the reason they thought in such a mundane physical level is because their hearts were hardened. So you can't excuse lack of interest in biblical truth on the grounds that, well, I'm not academically inclined, I'm used to practical things. These men were, but the Lord Jesus says, your heart's hardened. <coughs> You know, sometimes people, and I've referred to this before, they glibly say someone is so heavenly minded they're no earthly use. Almost always, when that glib expression is used, it says nothing against the person it's said about, but it tells you a great deal about the person who said it. It is usually an excuse on the part of the one speaking for their own lack of godly thought concerning eternal things. Men and women preoccupied with heavenly matters have been of the most immense use on earth. And Christ was caring 
for the disciples' souls. But they couldn't see it. They didn't even realize it. He was telling them, look out, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod. He was caring for their souls and they didn't even realize it. When people seek the good of your souls, are you so oblivious that you don't even realize it? That you dismiss it? When people talk of salvation and the need of conversion and faith in Christ, when they talk about the truth of the gospel and heaven and hell, do you dismiss it as airy-fairy stuff that has nothing to do with you when they're they're seeking your welfare? Or if you are a Christian, are you settling for the bare minimum of biblical knowledge? Why? Is your mind not inquisitive to know what the Word of God teaches? To know its promises, its warnings? Are you settling for a minimal grasp of the minimum of biblical truth? Surely that's a disgrace. God has given us a whole Bible and you say, well, I know a few of the most important things and that'll do me. That'll do me. If that's the way you've been thinking, you should think it no more. Is anything in the Word of God to be treated as irrelevant? Couldn't God have given us just a few things if that's all we needed? Do we think that God didn't know what He was doing when He gave us all 66 books? These disciples were poor, but they didn't stay where they were. Remember that. And real disciples don't stand still. But the problem was the state of their hearts. It was their hearts that kept them from seeing that the Lord Jesus was telling them of spiritual things. Their minds did not even rise high enough to understand that he was talking about anything more than the bread shortage in the boat. So we must pray. When we come to the word of God in our homes and in the congregation, we must pray that our natural sluggishness and our preoccupations will be taken away so that our minds will not be kept fixed and distracted from the real teaching of the word of God. We must pray that God will keep us from putting upon the scriptures our own paltry ideas and that he will enable us to understand the wonders of his law. But the Lord Jesus isn't finished with them or with us yet. You see, in these verses, the Lord Jesus asks them nine questions in a row. Just imagine that. And so he goes on, and so thirdly we have unbelieving preoccupation paralyzes remembrance of the Lord's goodness. 
unbelieving preoccupation paralyzes remembrance of the Lord's goodness. Verse 18. Having eyes see ye not, and having ears hear ye not, and do ye not remember when I break the five loaves among five thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up, they said unto him, twelve. And when the seven among four thousand, how many baskets, and the word is the same one used in the feeding of the four thousand, this word means a larger, bigger, hamper kind of basket. How many baskets full of fragments took ye up, and they said, seven. And he said unto them, how is it that ye do not understand? The Lord Jesus takes up the language of uh, such passages as Jeremiah 5:21. Hear now this, O foolish people, and without understanding, which have eyes and see not, which have ears and hear not. And Ezekiel chapter 12 and verse 2. Son of man, thou dwellest in the midst of a rebellious house, which have eyes to see and see not. They have ears to hear and hear not, for they are a rebellious house. The Lord Jesus applies that language to these disciples. He says, it takes language that applies uh, to uh, the sin of the heart as the cause of lack of spiritual understanding and he applies it to these disciples. Now the Lord Jesus did not squander miracles, neither did he encourage sloppy inefficiency in the disciples in looking after physical needs. But how could they be taken up with this lack of bread as they listened to the instruction of the Lord Jesus who had fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes and 4,000 with seven loaves and some little fishes? How could they then in his presence get into such a state about a bread shortage. Had they forgotten that these things happened? No, they hadn't. It's not as simple as that. It wasn't that they were suffering from a memory lapse in the sense that they didn't know these things had happened. Because when the Lord Jesus asked them, how many baskets did ye take up? They said, twelve, seven. They knew what had happened. They were filled with pessimism in the presence of the one who had fed the multitude and who was speaking to them the words of life everlasting. In his very presence. What do we learn from all this? Well, one thing we learn is we were right to look closely at the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000 because the Lord Jesus questions these disciples how many baskets how many baskets did ye take up we were right to note these things the Lord Jesus asks them about them how many? 12, 7 but it shows us that we can forget the plainest and most startling of lessons There is no lesson in the Christian life, be it ever so plain and staggeringly clear and startling, that we are not capable of forgetting to apply. The facts were in their memories. 
But in a given situation, they couldn't bring those facts to bear upon it. They seemed unable to bring out from their memories this startling lesson that had so much to tell them about their present situation and to apply it. They knew the facts, but when they saw that they were down to their last loaf, they were troubled. Let's not think that storing up the facts of divine revelation, the facts of biblical truth, is sufficient. We can have our minds full of the facts of biblical truth, and yet in a given situation, no, there, there's nothing. In a given situation, the relevant truth does not come forth for application. We have to have that kind of grasp of biblical truth so that in a given situation the relevant truth comes to mind and is applied. They knew about the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000 but when they're in the boat with only one loaf left it doesn't mean anything. So that in application to real situations, mere mental knowledge can still miss the point completely. And so it did in their case. So we must seek grace. We must seek the enabling of the Spirit of God to keep us in such a lively awareness of the truth of God that the right truth is rightly applied at every, in every given situation in our lives. You see, verse 21 still applies to us. Wherever we are in the Christian life, he said unto them, How is it that ye do not understand? Let us go from this place humbled, in a sense of our own natural unbelief, forgetfulness, ingratitude and stupidity in the things of God. But let us go encouraged too. This gracious Saviour did not cast aside these pathetic, feeble disciples. He did teach them. And he did use them. And in the end he did glorify them. What an encouragement that is. If the Lord has begun a good work in us, he will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed.